0: What is the current state of John Calipari's Kentucky Wildcats? It's nowhere near as bad as some people might think. We talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alright, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we're going to be talking about the state of the basketball program. We're going to look at the past, the present, and the future for the Kentucky Wildcats. A lot of frustration Following the upset loss in the opening round of the NCAA tournament to St. Peter's, just going to kind of put some things finally at rest. I know that the fan base is starting to kind of settle down, kind of calm themselves down, kind of look forward to this season already, but I want to put a bow on some of the frustrations that some people out there might have still. And then we're also going to talk about Kentucky basketball's SEC schedule being announced. The, 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 the schedule in order has not been announced, but the home and away opponents have for the Wildcats. Going to discuss that. And then finally, an interesting topic that we will probably expand upon over the, the coming weeks. There are two new uh, players in Kentucky football's backfield. Two new recruits just got them over the past couple of days. Well, not recruits, transfers. Interesting pieces. We're also going to talk about the C-Rod situation later on in the show. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen. Every single day, I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. The state of Kentucky basketball. The 2021-22 season concluded with an upset loss to St. Peter's in the NCAA tournament, like I mentioned earlier. Very, very frustrating, and the fan base was aggressively negative Following that upset loss, part of it was understandable. Part of it was too far. And I think the reason so many people were quick to point fingers and demand things, and there were enough of you out there saying that Coach Calipari should be fired that we had to talk about it. The reason some of you were frustrated, I believe, was because this program has been starved of postseason success for what is three seasons now. The 2019 20 season concluded. With no shot at the postseason. 25 and 6, COVID-19 hit, couldn't even play in the SEC tournament. The 2020 season, as everyone knows, 9 and 16, it's Kentucky's first losing season since 1988 in 1988, if I'm not mistaken, UK. went 13 and 19 that year. And then this past year, again, 26 and eight, lost to St. Peter's, kind of just lost momentum there at the end of the season. That 2020 season, though, 9 and 16, that was a dip that I don't think Kentucky sees for a long, long time. I think that we have to move past that and acknowledge it's the first time it's happened since the 80s. Don't think it's going to be happening anytime soon. We'll talk about the future later on. The past, though, we're looking at the past right now. This past season obviously concluded with an upset, but those happen. We've talked time and time again before on this show about how difficult it is to advance in the NCAA tournament. It's a tough thing to do. But... Last year's squad, in my opinion, was a sweet 16 team at minimum if Kentucky makes their free throws at the end of that game against the Peacocks. And you may complain and you may say, oh, well, Lance, you know, Kentucky wasn't actually as good as, they, as some people thought they were. They still lost. Uh, they, they weren't as good as some people might have thought the entire year. And, and I think that there's partial truth, that, truth in saying, well, they lost. They're not a good team. There's partial truth in that. They were not playing their best basketball at the end of the season. They were not playing like a good, coherent, cohesive team in that game and in the, the two or three games before that. They were not playing their best basketball from the top-down top coaching, assistant coaches, players. Nobody was, was executing at the level that they could have. And the reason I say could have is because I also want you guys to keep in mind that the two teams that played for the national title, Kentucky wiped the floor with on neutral and away uh, sites. They beat uh, Kansas at the Fog by almost 20, and they beat the Brakes off of North Carolina, I believe out in Vegas, if I'm not mistaken. I can't believe I've already forgotten that. But it was, they almost scored 100 against the Tar Heels. Injuries, loss of momentum, not so perfect coaching from the top down, and a team of destinies what threw Kentucky off their path last season. And you may say, well, you know, that's, that's, that's good and all, but th- those things still happened. You know, we still had a 9-16 and 16 season. We still had 26-8 and eight with a loss to St. Peter's. Those things happened, and they stink. You're right. They do. But we move on, and we move to the present. Most of those pieces from last year's squad are back, and I think they're going to be better or just as good as they were last year. Kentucky's roster this season consists of the National Player of the Year and Oscar Sheeway, a Bob Cousy finalist and severe wheeler at point, really, really good distributor, good at finishing at the rim, a lengthy guard that averaged 20 points a game at his previous school in Antonio Reeves, a career 46.6% three-point shooter in C.J. Frederick, and we've talked before on this show about how Kentucky needs three-point shooters, a lengthy defensive combo guard to back him up in Kason Wallace, who's essentially Drew Holiday 2.0, probably my favorite player on this team, a physical five-star forward in, in, in Chris Livingston, a, a five-star power forward with unseen potential in Damian Collins, could potentially be a breakout player this year, one of the bounciest players in the game in Jacob Toppin. And then you've got projects in Lance Ware and Aduthiero. You've got some really, really good starting, uh, starting talent. And then you look to the, de- to the bench and you look at the depth, and there's opportunity and potential and, and so much talent. Really, really excited about this year's uh, team. From top to bottom, this is a solid roster. Ten players on scholarship, you may say, oh, well, that's not great. Even Calipari said, oh, well, we may get get an 11th. That's not going to happen at this point. I've said before I'd like to have a little bit more depth. But in reality, Coach Calipari doesn't really play or rotate much more than nine players in conference play. So if these are the ten players that are going to play, what's the point of adding an 11th? And Aduthiero is not going to be playing much, if at all, this season. Like I said, he's a project. You've got one of the best players in the country, a great distributor. You've got explosiveness at the guard position. You've got a really, really good three-point shooter. You've got defense. You've got defense. And then you've got potential in the front court behind Oscar Shibwe. Solid. It's a solid roster this season. And you look up and down the SEC, I believe Auburn is going to take a step back this season. I believe Tennessee is going to take a step back this season. Arkansas, I don't know what they've got going on uh, in Fayetteville right now, but man, Eric Musselman is doing a phenomenal job on and off the court. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Alabama, I think, is going to take a bit of a step back this season. Or maybe just, I think they're going to be just about the same as they were last year. The opportunity for Kentucky to take advantage of one more year of Oscar Sheebway is absolutely there. It's absolutely there. And it's not crazy to think that this team can win the SEC. Some people out there may say, oh, well, no, you know, Auburn or Tennessee or Arkansas is going to go 15-3. and We'll get to the schedule in a little bit. We'll get to the schedule in a little bit. But what I'm saying is this this is just a solid roster. There aren't a ton of weaknesses outside of, I would like one more three-point shooter. If Severe Wheeler was was able to shoot the three, if Chris Livingston was able to, Antonio Reeves, you'd get one more guy outside of C.J. Frederick that's not necessarily automatic, but a solid three-point shooter. I'm very content with this team. On paper, haven't gotten to see him play yet. So that's the present. That's the present. There's opportunity for Kentucky to take advantage of things in the present, this season. And then you look to the future. The 2023 recruiting class, and you look a little bit beyond that. Kentucky right now has the number three recruiting class in the nation. In 2022-23, they've already got two five-star guards in Robert Dillingham, Reed Shepard, Aaron Bradshaw, a five-star center might be on the way. Kentucky just offered a 2024 shooting guard and Ian Jackson that – Said that it was a dream come true for him to get an offer from Kentucky. That right now is looking like a Kentucky-North Carolina race. Probably going to touch on recruiting more down the line. Going to give you guys more updates on that uh, in the the, uh, days to come, actually. But yeah, the 2023 recruiting class is looking solid. Kentucky's got a lot of different prospects right now. DJ Wagner's uh, another one one of them. A lot of different guys that are leaning Kentucky's way. I think this is going to be a really, really good class, and it's going to set the tone, I think, for Kentucky's re- re-emergence after this 9-16 and 16 season that the Wildcats had just a couple of years ago. So the past, I think we have to move, 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 uh, move beyond from, or move past from, I guess. The present, there's opportunity. Can Kentucky take advantage of it? We're going to be talking about that all offseason until November. And then the future, I think Kentucky is setting themselves w- up well on the recruiting trail Getting on things early. There's a sense of urgency on the recruiting trail, I think, right now for the Kentucky Wildcats, and they are winning. They are winning there. All right. I want to talk about SEC's, uh, the SEC schedule being announced. I want to talk about Kentucky, their home and away opponents. Really, really uh, interesting to see what the Wildcats do in conference play this season, if they're able to stay consistent. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now virtually impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? When you actually have computers at home and you've got a smartphone that can get to rockauto.com, it's, it's much more simple to just choose rockauto.com. You can also save time and money when you use RockAuto. They're a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low because of that. And they've got everything that you could possibly need. They've got brake parts, tail lamps, motor motor oil, new carpet. And we would highly encourage you to go check out their website. You can go to rockauto.com right now, and you can see all the parts available for your car or truck. And you can write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know that we sent you. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices. It's all the parts your car will ever need. You can check out rockauto.com today. All right, continuing along here on the Thursday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Daw here with you. Kentucky's SEC schedule, home and away opponents. They have been announced. Uh, these were actually, a belie- believe it or not, I think just a couple days ago, they were leaked uh, by somebody, and everybody was just kind of sitting on go, like, okay, is this the actual schedule? And then the SEC came out and was like, yep. Yes, it is. Cool. All right, thanks. Thanks, guys. Anyway, the home opponents for the Kentucky Wildcats this season. Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, LSU, Georgia, Auburn, Texas A&M, Arkansas. Okay, before we get to the away opponents, let's talk about some of these home opponents. Home. Vanderbilt. Scottie Pippen Jr. is gone. I'm not really entirely sure what Jerry Stackhouse is going to be doing with that team. Bottom half team in the SEC. Tennessee is a team that has given Kentucky fits over the past few seasons. I'm curious to see what Rick Barnes' squad looks like this year, but if Kentucky can shoot like they did against him last year, uh, I I like the Wildcats' chances, and and especially considering it's at Rupp. Florida is a team that is retooling. I forget the name of their head coach. He just came over from San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's going to be solid. In year one, I don't know. They've got Colin Castleton back, if I'm not mistaken. So they've got something to build on. But I think he's going to be a solid coach in the SEC. South Carolina, I think it's going to be a bottom half team in the SEC. Probably bottom four. LSU is a team that is retooling right now. Uh, they lost just about everybody and their mother, and they brought in just about everybody and their mother. It's the old Miss of, of the SEC, but basketball. Georgia, Mike White's there. They're probably a bottom half team in the SEC. Auburn... I, I know a lot of people are going to be really excited about their front court. Johnny Broom, Johan Treori they're guards, man. Uh, and we got to kind of see it last year. If Jabari Smith's not there, I don't, think, I don't think this team's going to be going extremely far or anywhere because I just do not trust their guards. They can't shoot. They're undersized. I think that's a game where if Kentucky wants to get physical at home, they can, and they can, they can clamp down and win that game. Texas A&M and Arkansas, A&M up and coming team in the SEC, Arkansas, up and coming team in the SEC, two strong opponents there. So I would say you look at Tennessee, uh, uh A&M, Arkansas as three three games that would be tough but definitely winnable. Definitely winnable. The away opponents for the Wildcats, Arkansas, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Missouri, Tennessee, Vanderbilt and Georgia. You look at Vanderbilt, Georgia, Missouri, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, as all games that you would feel comfortable going on the road and being favored to win and winning. You look at Arkansas, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee. Yeah, Arkansas, Florida, Alabama, and Tennessee as the four games away that you would not feel comfortable with, but you would also expect Kentucky to contend or win those games. So just to kind of recap... The home and away splits that Kentucky gets. So the, game, so the teams that Kentucky has to play twice, both home and away. Vanderbilt, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas, Georgia. Nothing special there. Although Kentucky only got to play Arkansas once last season. So that'll be fun to get the Razorbacks at home. And I believe they also only got Georgia at home last season. Or am I completely forgetting a game? Anyway, the single... Uh, opponents though: Auburn, LSU, A and M, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Missouri. Look, look, those are all games where I feel like Kentucky can go out and win. All, all of those single games. Tennessee and Arkansas are the teams that concern me in the SEC this season, and you get them both home and away, so you you at least have an opportunity to to adjust and split with them, is what I'm trying to say here. I'm really excited about this schedule. I think Kentucky. Because of the just how well-rounded I think their team is, I think that they've got an opportunity to, to go out and not necessarily dominate, and and us come to the end of the regular season, and us all be saying, "Wow, Kentucky is just, they are just a just incredible. They just go out there and blow opponents out, you know." I, but I think it's going to be efficient, and I think it's going to be kind of like just a machine. I think that's the way the team's going to operate offensively and defensively. They just get things done when they need to get them done, and they pick up wins when they need to pick up wins. And I think that they'll probably slip up in three, three or four games. So 14-4, and 15-3 right now is my early prediction for this team. So you may be low. If you're an Auburn fan out there listening, first of all, I'm sorry that I'm bashing your team. Um, but also at the same time, I just feel like Kentucky is put in a really, really good spot to to build on what they did last season and then not choke against a, a 15 seed, that they will be more aware of things this time around, that there will be more of a sense of urgency, that there will be a, an emphasis put on finishing things strongly. And Kentucky, I think, has the experience to go out there and win some games, man. That, that's just my predict- That's my early prediction. And if you have a differing opinion, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below. If you're listening on podcast, you can hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK. All right. Kentucky football picked up an interesting pair of backfield pieces. Going to talk about those guys in just a moment. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball odds. A lot of fun stuff going on in the MLB, getting close to the All-Star break which is going to be a lot of fun. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports uh, sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Daw here with with you. Really appreciate you guys making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. So Kentucky football has an interesting situation going on right now with star running back Chris Rodriguez. It is just relatively accepted that he will serve a suspension. We don't know how many games yet. We believe it's going to be somewhere between one and four. Would really like to see him play the majority of the season. But Kentucky's running back depth is not, was not looking great. It was not looking great if Chris Rodriguez was not able to play the first four games, potentially more of the season. So what Kentucky went out and did is they picked up two running backs. One of them actually doesn't even play running back all the time. D. Beckwith, former four-star linebacker slash running back out of Florence, Alabama. Has committed to the Kentucky Wildcats, listed on the roster as a running back, playing with the number 21. Uh, so he's on the roster and he's ready to go. And this is something that All in Three wrote about him a four star prospect in the 2022 recruiting class. He initially committed to Tennessee. He is six foot five, 230 pounds. He is an imposing figure on the gridiron that has played multiple positions in his two year collegiate career. He started at wide receiver in Knoxville, then slid over to running back. He has also logged time on defense and special teams. Beckwith's versatility at the SEC level stems from his time in high school. Get this. As a senior for Florence High School, he played quarterback, receiver, and running back, tallying 1,055 rushing yards, 589 passing yards, and 526 receiving yards to go along with 27 touchdowns. That's his senior season. He earned first team All State honors and also lettered in basketball and track and field. I would love to know where he fell on the first team All State team. Was he a quarterback? Was he a running back? Was he a receiver? I uh, would love to know that. But this is a six foot five, 230 pound, massive human being that can play multiple positions and will be in the backfield for the Kentucky Wildcats this season behind an already solid offensive line, receiving the ball from a quarterback that can also run a little bit himself. Man, I talked about it a few days ago. I'm going to reiterate it again. Kentucky might not have the most elite receiver room, although I'm high on some of these younger guys. But they've got a solid athletic quarterback, a good offensive line, and a good running back room. This team does not have to play explosive. They do not have to play explosive. Georgia proved last year you can play with an average to slightly above average quarterback Lean on your offensive line and win games. Establish your will up front. Get that push. Win games. I think if you've got a six foot five, two 235-pound running back in your backfield for the first three or four games of the season, even if he's not starting, even if he's just a complimentary piece, you can move him around different places. You can have him play wildcat. You can have him play receiver. You can put him at linebacker if you need a little depth there. This is a great pickup. This is an athlete. This is just an athlete. Flat-out athlete, D Beckwith. I am thrilled to see this guy on Kentucky's team. And if Chris Rodriguez is not able to go, excited to see him in the backfield alongside another transfer. Ramon Jefferson, I believe, is how you spell uh, say his name. If it's Ramon, if it's Ramon, I, I, I assume it's Ramon. I, I'm an idiot. But anyway, FCS All-American running back. Four-star transfer, according to 24-7 Sports. FCS All-Second Team, All-American in 2021, according to the AP. Last season at Sam Houston State, which is where he uh, played most recently. 1,100 yards rushing and 13 uh, touchdowns. Uh, This will be his sixth and final season. And this is also per on three. Jefferson's career started at Maine in 2017, when former Kentucky Offensive Coordinator Liam Cohen was the offensive coordinator for the Black Bears. Interesting note there. A redshirt prospect in his first season of college football, Jefferson crossed the 1,000-yard threshold following Cohen's departure in 2018. The following year, transferred to the JUCO ranks, playing at Terry Wilson's former home, Garden City Community College. Just crazy how things tie in here. Uh, Crazy that he's not uh, been looked at by Kentucky before this. But he's another guy, really, really solid 5'10", I believe is his stature. Really solid running back for Sam Houston State that had a really efficient offense last year, by the way. So you look at Kentucky's backfield, and let's say Chris Rodriguez is gone. I think you've got a Man, one of these, one of these guys on paper alone I don't think is going to pop. It's not going to necessarily stand out to you. But the, just the depth, the rotation is just really, really exciting. D Beckwith, Ramon Jeff- Jefferson, Cavassier, Smoke, Juton McLean, Lavelle Wright, those are your five guys. And when, once Chris Rodriguez comes back, you've got him at the top of the order. That is a deep running back room. I think Ramon Jefferson would start the first three or four games of the season if Chris Rodriguez is not able to go. If, I think it would be Jefferson, and then Beckwith and Cavassier smoke would be rotating in and out as that second running back. I think Kentucky's probably... I think they're going to be running the football quite a bit to begin the season. I think they're going to be running the football a little bit. Uh, I think you look at that game against Florida, week two, that could be a statement game, and I'm not saying Kentucky's going to go out there and win it. We've got a long time before we can analyze that game. we got to see Florida play Utah first, which I think is going to be very important to analyzing that matchup. Not a lot of depth at Florida. A little bit thin in some different places. That's a game early on where Kentucky can turn to this stable of backs and say, we're just going to give you an opportunity to do your thing. The offensive line's going to get their push. We're going to go out there and we're going to physically win this game. I'm excited about this room, man. After picking up these two guys, D Beck with Ramon Jefferson, really, really excited about this running back room. Could this team lead the SEC in rushing this year? I think that's a conversation we have to start talking about now. I think that is 100% in the conversation. And I know that Will Levis, he's being projected as a first-round pick right now, and so the, the, the assumption is you have to get him those numbers, you have to get him those passing yards. You can, but do what your team needs to do to win first. And if this running the football with these new guys early is the opportunity that give, or gives you the best opportunity to win, then do that. I'd encourage you to do that. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnUK. You can follow me on Twitter, at Lance. underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram, at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, you can leave them in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.